Good morning. Again, if you have your Bibles, would you open in them to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. And our text today is going to be verses 6, and I'll read 9, even though I won't comment on it a lot, but 6 through six through 9. It's so good to be together this morning. I'm so glad that you made the trek out. I know many couldn't, and, uh, and that's just the way it is, but it's so good to be together as the body of Christ. Um, Max said to me as I was leaving the, uh, the baptismal room, he said, uh, man, I'm, I'm glad we didn't cancel today, and I am really glad. What a, what a joy it is to witness the baptisms, to hear the word, to worship together as the body of Christ. What a joy and a privilege it is for us to gather I hope it's a special treasuring in your heart, that gathering, that weekly gathering that we do. So John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 6, the Word of God says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. We need the Lord's help. Let's pray again. Father, I pray that you would move in this place in our hearts through your word, through the preaching of your word. I pray, we pray together that you would move in us, challenge us, encourage us, I pray that you would work so powerfully that our hearts might be attuned to you and what you want to do in our lives. Lord, I pray that if there are those who, who came here not seeing, Lord, I pray through your light, the light of your word, that they would leave here believing in Christ. And I pray that all of us would be encouraged and challenged, especially with what we see in this passage. Help me, I pray. Help me to handle your word well and clearly. Move through this time, Lord, for your name's sake, for our good and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So I love that we are on this passage this morning. I love that I am standing in a Baptist church on Baptism Sunday, having just baptized people, preaching to you about John the Baptist. That's just fitting in my view, and for a few reasons. One reason is because of the purpose of the ministry of John the Baptist, as we can discern from this passage. And the purpose, of the, and, the purpose and the nature of baptism, those two things, are very similar. Both witness to something. Both witness to the same reality, actually. Baptism and the ministry of John the Baptist point not to themselves but to a far greater reality. Those who went through the waters of, of the baptism this morning, those who, who were baptized this morning, they did not say, they were not saying, look at me. I mean, they stood here in front, they spoke, but they weren't saying, look at me. They went through the waters to say that they have seen Christ. If anything, they are saying by this public profession, look to Jesus Christ. And as we can see so plainly here, this was the point of John the Baptist's ministry. He never said, look at me. He always said, look to Christ. So this is a fitting 
This is fitting on this Sunday, and fitting for our season too, I think. Season, that, the beginning of the new year, and approaching our annual celebration where we will gather just a couple weeks from now, when we will gather and consider all the good that God has done among us in 2023. And as we look forward together in, in, into 2024 with hopeful anticipation for what our kind Lord will do among us, through us. I think this passage speaks to that, and helpfully so. And what it says is twofold. And that's kind of the outline for the sermon this morning, how I'm arranging this. First, it tells us that God uses means to shine His light or to display His light. The means, in part, that God uses to shine the light of Christ is a man that He sent named John. God uses means. He sends people to testify to the light. That, I hope, will be a good reminder for us as we consider this new year as a church and consider our commitments to outreach and to missions and our desire to be faithful witnesses in our community and among our neighbors and family. God uses us to testify. And that is where we'll begin this morning. There was a man sent by God to bear witness to the light. The second thing this passage hopefully remind, is that this passage hopefully reminds us that our, our ministry in Sioux Falls and among the nations is ultimately not about us. We live out the Christian life day to day in our workplaces and among our neighbors, and we do specific outreaches and services to the community, and none of that is about us. We send missionaries to go to the Kurds and to the Caucasus Mountains to preach to the least reached and unreached people groups of this world. And that is not about us. And it's not about those missionaries either. This passage reminds us that it's all about Jesus Christ. I love that reminder for me personally. As I continue to settle into my public ministry here at Faith, my preaching ministry, as I'm reminded, as I was reminded this week, is not about me. It's, a, it's never about me. It must never be about me. It was never about Pastor Dana Olson. It's not about Pastor Jason Wichrup or Pastor Thomas Slauson or Pastor Dave Vilhauer. Never has been, never will be. It's not about me. It must never be. It must always be about Christ. As we see in this passage, he is not the light, but came as a witness to the light. Friends, I love that we are pondering this passage in this church on this Sunday, in this season of the year, and this time in our life together as a church. And I'm praying that the Lord will use it richly in your lives, in my life, and in our corporate life together. If you've read chapter 1, especially in one setting, the whole chapter, Gospel of John chapter 1, you may have noticed that there's an awkwardness about this prologue, verses 1 through 18, and this passage is the awkwardness. It seems like an abrupt change to the flow of thought, doesn't it? If you skip verses 6 through 8, the text would just flow, right? So if I just read verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it, and then went right to verse 9, the true light, which is coming into the world, gives light to everyone. It just keeps flowing. But interrupting that flow are verses 6 through 8. Why does John, the writer, son of Zebedee, why does he introduce John the Baptist here? 
I read pages and pages of commentary this week trying to understand that, I guess, that most of them were unhelpful. Uh, some speculate that there's maybe a cult that was following John the Baptist in the, in the early church, and they need a bit of correction. Um, others speculate all different kinds of things, suggest that this is an afterthought, later drop in to clarify different characters in the narrative. But honestly, after doing all of that, I, I, I decided it's not really that difficult. It's not really that difficult. I think I can see real purpose for putting this passage here. Of course, one purpose is to introduce the readers to John the Baptist. He comes up right away, right on the heels of the prologue. Verse 19 goes right to the ministry of John the Baptist. But another, I think, is to give us an idea about how all of this works. Jesus is the light of the world, so say verse 5 and verses 9 through 13. He is the light from God to the world so that we can see. We talked a lot about that last week. No seeing outside of Christ. With Christ, we see. Yet God, in his wisdom, uses means to display that light to the world. He uses human means. There was a man sent from God to bear witness to the light. I, I think the ultimate reason verses 6 through 8 are here is so that we can see how God makes Christ known. He sends witnesses. I mean, isn't that in line with what the gospel of John is all about? Remember last week we read John 20, verse 31, where it says, but these, these are written, the things that are written in the gospel of John, these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's the great aim of the gospel of John, that you might believe, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's why John the evangelist has written this gospel. And it makes sense that right in the beginning of the gospel, he would introduce to us means that God would use to make Christ known and believed. Namely, a man sent by God whose name is John, John the Baptist. Never called that in the gospel of John, but we know that's who this is. He is building the case for the, in, in, in the gospel, in this gospel, for why you should believe in Christ. And he is calling witnesses to the stand, as it were. That's what he's doing. He's calling witnesses to the stand. And one of the first witnesses in the New Testament is John the Baptist. There are a lot of similarities between John the Baptist and Jesus. Some, some things that are the same, and then there's some very sharp contrasts. They are cousins. Did you know that? Jesus and John the Baptist, they're cousins. They were born about six months apart, John significantly, was born six months before Jesus. That'll be important soon to know. Both of them were of miraculous conceptions. John was born six months before Jesus. His parents were old, barren, but God's providence, in God's providence, they conceived. And, and then Jesus, as we know, was born of a virgin. He was conceived of the Holy Spirit. So God was working providentially in the conception of both. Both Jesus and John are sent by God. John 3.17, many other passages in John make it clear God sent his son. And here in our passage it says that there was a man sent by God. Another similarities, both were sent by God. So lots of similarities and then huge differences. John is, after all, a man sent by God. And Jesus is the word that was with God 
and was God in the beginning, the word that took on flesh. That's different. Verse 3 says that it was through the word that all things were created. And verse 7 says that John was sent so that through him all would believe. So some similarities, but then massive differences. Jesus is the eternal word made flesh to save us. And John was sent to bear witness to him so that we might believe and be saved. So the word witness that you see there in verse 6, or 7 rather, it's the word mart- martyria. And this word in the Greek and what it means, it's where we get our English word martyr from actually. John and his witness to the light would eventually, it's ironic to me that that's the word here because he would eventually go through, he would witness by martyrdom. His mission in life was to be a witness, to stand and testify that there is, there is light, there is light, the true light is coming into the world, his name is Jesus. He is the light, look to him and you will see. This was John the Baptist's ministry. He was called as a witness to testify. Connect the beginning of verse 6 with the end of verse 7. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear light about the light, that all might believe through him. God's gracious purpose in sending John was so that the, through the ministry of John, people might see and believe the Christ. John's ministry was a means of God's grace to the people. Sent so that people would believe. And if you connect that with what you see in John 20, 31, which I read a, a bit ago, specifically when he says that by believing you may have life in his name, you get the whole picture. God's gracious purpose in sending John as a witness was so that we would believe and through faith have eternal life in the name of Jesus Christ. That's how the gospel works, right? Isn't that how the gospel works? God sent Jesus, the eternal word, made flesh to live and to die for his people. And everyone who looks to Christ by faith looks away from their own merits, away from their own righteousness, or their attempts at righteousness, and look to the work of Christ, to his living and his sacrificial dying and his rising again. Everyone who does that is justified before God through faith. That is the gospel. And God sent a man named John to testify to that gospel so that all might believe and be saved. This is the saving purpose of God in sending John. If you think about it, it's a pretty amazing passage. We see God's saving purposes here. And that is exactly God's gracious purpose in evangelism and in missions. God sends missionaries to the nations and Christians to their neighbors so that we would witness to the light, so that through that witness people would believe, and so that people would have life in the name of Jesus Christ. That's why missionaries go. That's why we send missionaries. That's why we desire to be good witnesses in our homes and workplaces. And among our neighbors and to the uttermost parts of the earth, that's why, in part, I'm preaching this sermon this morning, why we gather on Sundays to hear the word preached, it is because of God's gracious, saving purposes in Christ. He sends us to be witnesses so that we might believe and that by believing we may have life in his name. 
It's one of the big purposes of the baptism this morning, wasn't it? Think of it. God's gracious purposes were on display in a simple ceremony. A baptism. Each person went into the water as a witness to the light. And that was so that we might believe and so that we might, through faith in Christ, have life in his name. In that simple act of being baptized, they testified the true lights come into the world. Oh, how I hope you listen to the testimony of those witnesses, and to this witness, the witness of John the Baptist. All of this is part of God's saving grace. It is so that we might believe and have life. This is the way God shines his light in the world. He sends men and he sends women to testify. In verse 8, John, the writer of this gospel, is careful to make clear that John the Baptist was not the light. Importantly, the word is the light and John is a witness to, this, to the light. And if you think of it, both were bright, Right? John's preaching and, and teaching and, and baptizing were bright. I mean, people saw it. People noticed it. People came to him. So in a sense, his ministry seemed like light, didn't it? People could see better because of John. In that sense, it's as if John were light. But the point here is that John was not the true light. He merely displayed the light, much in the way a window shines on us the light that is from the outside. One of the things I really love about our house that we just got, that we just moved to here in Sioux Falls, is our sunrise window. That's what I call it anyway. There's a window that we have right above our door, points to the east, and through that window, I can see it really well in our living room, we see the sunrise. I can see the sunrise. It's beautiful. I love it. I love that window. I'm so glad it's there. The light just pours through that window into our living room. It's beautiful to see. In the late summer, when the days were still long, I did my morning devotions on a chair that could see that window, and I would see the sun rise. It was lovely. Sadly, lately, that window hasn't been working, <laughs> at least not consistently. Last few days, no light's been flowing, flooding our living room from that window. I think the breaker must be tripped or something because it's not bright anymore. Maybe it will begin working soon. Maybe it worked this morning. I'm not sure. I was probably already here. It doesn't work sometimes because it is not the source of light, but rather a means to display the light that is out there. The source of light is the sun and the light that shines through that window is 100% the light that comes from the sun. So John's ministry was indeed bright, but he was not the source of light. He lived and died to be an open window through which we might see the bright shining sun, S-O-N. Not, not mere sunlight, like glorious light, like the most glorious light ever. That's why John lived to be that kind of window so that we would see that kind of glory in Christ. And this is what we are called to do as well, right? To shine the light of Christ. And in that shining, it is clear, it is clear, friends, we are not the light. We are mere windows. And let me demonstrate that to you by pointing your attention to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16.
think we have the wrong chapter there. Wrong, wrong book. So don't pay attention to that. Just listen if you want, or you can turn to Matthew 5, verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world. It's Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, right away, you might be like, aha, Mike, I think you're wrong, because here it says, we are the light. You just said, we're not the light. Some of you might be grabbing your phones to write out the email that you plan to write to me about this. But you might want to wait. Jesus is, is Jesus teaching that we are the source of light when he says we are the light of the world? And he's not, and I can tell by what he says in verse 16, Matthew 5, 16, it says, they will see your good works and glorify the Father, your Father who is in heaven. They'll see your works, but they're going to glorify God. They see our works, but they do not give us the glory. They see our works and they give him glory, and that must mean that the ultimate source of those works, of those good works, of that light that they see is the light that comes from God. Do you see? They see our love for one another, and they glorify God. They see our compassion on those who are suffering, and they glorify God. They see our bright work in bringing justice to the oppressed and protection for the powerless, and they glorify God. We are windows. We are not the sun. And in this dark world, we are the window through which, by God's design and his will, his providence, we are the window through which the world might see Christ and believe. Or to put it in another way, we are God's gracious means to help the world see the light that was coming into the world, that came into the world. We are the window through which the world will see the life and the substitutionary death and the triumphal resurrection of Jesus Christ. And through that seeing, they might believe. And through believing, they may have life in his name. This is God's means. And I think it has two very powerful implications for us. First, we just have to ponder whether the blinds in our windows are open. Is the light of Christ visible in us? Can others see the light of Christ in your life? Can people glorify God because of your good works? Or to use the language of this passage, are you a witness? Are you a faithful witness? What do witnesses do? They, they testify. They bring evidence. They give evidence to show what is true. Are you a good witness? If you are a Christian, friend, you have been called to the stand. It's time to testify. What are you going to say? How are you going to testify? Will it be compelling? I think this is one of the things to consider, a practical implication of this passage that we ought to think about. And others to remember that the witness, witnesses, witnesses are never the point. A court case is never about a witness, not even a star witness. It's not about the star witness even. A beautiful sunrise is never about the window through which we observe it. 
A window merely helps us to see and witnesses help us to see and believe the truth. It's not about them. It's not about them. John 1.8 is here so that we can clearly see that this is not about John. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. Oh, friends, this is not about us. As I said, my preaching ministry is not about me. The ministries that we do in this church are not about Faith Baptist Fellowship. A church that is planted by a church planter is not about the church planter. We are not the light. We bear witness to the light. What a wonderful reminder and so important because so many ministries go off the rails because people lose sight of that reality. So many begin to platform. And I can do that as a pastor. That's tempting. We can do that as a church. John could do this. John could have done that if he wanted to. He, his was a visible ministry. People knew his name. He was well known. He caught the attention of the masses. And people were asking if he was the long-awaited Messiah. He had tons of followers on social media. I think, I think Twitter was still around back then. People knew him. They were coming to be baptized. It would have been a natural impulse to start thinking that he was more than a mere window through which people would see the light. But he never went there. John's whole life, right to his death, was devoted to shining the light of Christ, to pointing others away from himself and to Jesus. In John 3.30, he famously said, he, Jesus, must increase and I must decrease. John knew from beginning to end that his ministry was not about him. The true light was coming into the world. John's purpose was to point people to that true light. You know, in a few weeks, we will celebrate our annual celebration. It's my first one. I'm, I'm stoked about it. I heard there's going to be great food. No, I'm excited about it for a lot of reasons. Super excited. So many things happened among us in 2023. It's been good, right, in the life of this church? So much to rejoice in. God has been at work, and there has been much fruit from his work among us on the west side of town, much fruit. On this side of town, much fruit. Among the nations, by the grace of God, there's fruit. And by the grace of God, 2024 will be that way too. I pray that it would. In our, I pray that we would, in our reflections of 2023, and in our thoughts and our plans about 2024, I pray that we will be willing to simply be a window through which the world around us might see the light of Christ. We want to be good windows, clear, clean, blinds open, so that the world needy for light, stumbling in darkness, might see and believe and have life in the name of Christ. Friends, are you testifying? Can others see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven? I want you to ponder that as a way of applying this text. Take this home and ponder it. Think about your workplace. Think about the interactions you have with your family. Is your testimony clear? Are they hearing it? 
Oh, that is what they need, friends. That's what your neighbors need most. They need a window. Are you that window? Christians are the means, by God's grace and in his divine plan, to make his gospel known. May we bear witness to the true light that came into the world. And perhaps our theme ought to be, I know my theme ought to be, as we enter 2024, it ought to be the same as John the Baptist's theme. He must increase and I must decrease. May we make much of the name of Christ in 2024. May we testify in all that we do to the light, the glorious, saving light that has come into the world and the person and the work the life, the death, the resurrection of Christ. It's a gorgeous sunrise. S-O-N-R-I-S-E. The light has come, the true light, and we have life in that light. Aren't you glad? Let's keep our eyes on that light and let us shine that light so that others might see. Let's pray together. Father, I pray pray together with all of these that you might do that work among us. We praise you that your light has, that you have shined your light in us, through us, in this world, through Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be windows, clean, blinds open, so that our neighbors and the nations might see this glorious light, the light of our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.